Show intro. Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry. I'm a staff writer here at Upworthy, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from the podcast. Uh, Allison Rosen is your new best friend, but mostly you know her from this wonderful work of art that she's been doing for more than a year. <laughs> Hello, Todd Perry. How is it going? It's going well today. You know why? Uh, I give up. Because it's another Upworthy day, you know? I... Th- well- I mean, I thought you were about to say it's another Upworthy Weekly episode that you're doing with me, and that's not what you said. Go, go, explain. It's an Upworthy yeah, day. Tell me what you mean. Well, I mean, any every day can be an Upworthy day if mm. you decide to have an Upworthy yes. attitude, right? Yes, yes, I like that. You know, if you decide to try to take the positive view of things a little bit, yeah. or find the nugget of positivity in something. Mm. Mm. As... Uh, the old guy who used to be in charge of our editorial department here, Gabe, uh, once said to me, he goes, Todd, find the hero in the story. Oh, this was advice he was giving you about writing one of your king of good news, upworthy stories? That's right, because sometimes there can be a, a story that's complicated and you mm-hmm. want to tell it, but also make sure to find the hero in it, and then that makes it kind of upworthy. Right. Like I was going on uh, a cable news show many years ago and a producer said, Allison, find the heat. (laughs) It's similar. Like for Upworthy, find the hero. For cable news, find the heat. Oh, wow. Okay. Can you unpack that real quick? I know we're going to today on today's show, we're going to go some over some of the most popular and engaging stories from this week. But A, how do you find it? B, did you? I don't know if I personally did. Um, I think when they said find the heat, what they meant is find the controversy. It's the opposite of find the hero. It's find the controversy, find the problem, find the agitation. Because this was one of those shows where it was like, and look, I very much enjoyed being a talking head on cable news. Uh, But it was one of those shows where there's like six human, it's like the Brady Bunch on screen. There's like six people on screen and you're all like yelling at each other in a little box. Hence, heat and ratings. So if you're flipping by, someone's like, oh, my God, look at all those people yelling. I've got to stop and, like, see what's going on. It's so hot. There's so much heat. Like that, you know. I feel like the story had something to do with drugs. But I can't remember what it was specifically. So apparently, I think it was a story where maybe it had to do with legislation. Like, there wasn't enough heat in it. So we had to, like, turn up the temperature. Find the heat. When I see that many talking heads, I always call it Wu-Tang television. Mm, yes. Because, you know, you see the Wu-Tang Clan live and, and they've got, you know, used to be, uh, you know, nine and eight and it's eight. But, I mean, you would see about 75 people on stage and it's just, it's just too much. It's just right. too much. All twirling towels. And so then when I see, when I look at like, you know, cable news and I see there's a panel of like 70 people mm-hmm. and everybody gets in like one sentence so yes. they say something really dramatic so at that point they're finding the heat 
right? Right, exactly. And also, as someone who's done those things, there's usually one person who will not stop talking. They just filibuster, and I just feel like that is so rude. There's 69 other talking heads here. Give us, give each of us a chance, please. <laughs> also, Allison, you've yes. had on your podcast a lot of wrestlers, which always amuses me because they're always I, great interviews. Thank you very much. I have one coming over today, but yes, go ahead. It's a, so, this is the new direction for me, given that I, 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 seem, I don't seem like someone who would be like the... Uh, number one wrestling reporter working today, but that's the new direction I'm going. But I mean, I think that's what makes it fun is because you kind of find the <laughs> other side of those people, right? <laughs> the question I asked most recently was, how do you, what do you use to make yourself so shiny? Because they are, they glisten. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not afraid to ask the very basic questions. Well, I know that there's a term in wrestler speak called heat. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. got the heat on him. Like when you get the audience going, is it the same thing? Finding the heat on cable news is getting the heat going like you're a heel and you need to get the heat in the ring. So um, and I am not particularly qualified to answer this question. However, my understanding of heat in terms of wrestling is... Uh, conflict. Okay. When wrestlers talk about heat, they mean conflict. Whereas when I talk about, sometimes heat for you and me could mean like buzz or something. But uh, this is a very convoluted answer. People come to me for convoluted answers. Uh, But the way that the producer on cable news meant it, he did mean it in the wrestler way. Okay. Maybe he had worked in wrestling. He did mean find the conflict. So he meant it exactly the same way wrestlers would mean it, I guess. So I want to continue with this thread real quick. So when the wrestlers come over to do your show, your other podcast, I know we're talking about your other podcast on this podcast, which is weird, but when they come up, do your neighbors go, like, that's kind of weird, like, Allison next door seems like this like kind of chill, quiet gal, and then like the ultimate warrior was like walking up the the stairs and coming to her door. Like, Ricky Steamboat was there the other day. Mm. I saw Junkyard Dog over at the Rosen household the other day. Are these real wrestlers that you're mentioning? (laughs) Okay, even... I told you I don't know! It's like saying, like, did Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, and you go, are those real basketball players? (laughs) I, uh, I told you, I don't, this is new to me. Okay. Are they from, um, the attitude era? See, I use the term. Um, Listen, anybody, anybody knows who these people are. Everybody knows who these people are. Not Allison Rosen. Okay. That gal doesn't listen. Listen, Todd Perry. Mm. Uh, all the wrestlers I've had on have been over zoom today. I'm having Anthony Bowens. Uh, who is AEW wrestler. He's my first one in person. That's happening today. Everyone else, it's been Zoom. So my neighbors have not had reason to gossip about me. There's not been heat on me. But today there could be. Who knows? And now, the Wednesday Adams of Upworthy. Allison Rosen. 
Why in the world we even chose her for this show remains to be seen. Take it away, Princess of Darkness. Children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute her. If eventually you do fire me <clears throat> because you mm. decide it was an ill fit, I don't think it'll be a surprise to anyone. I think you just have to listen to the wonderful, thoughtful theme song that was bestowed upon me. And I feel like it was all in the theme song, you know, like it's very on the nose. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing subtle about it, <laughs> you know, this <laughs> I mean, one might think, hmm, are they having doubts about her? I don't know. Anyway, listen, Todd. Uh, someone asked people who the female Morgan Freeman is, and the answers did not disappoint. You know, Morgan Freeman, quite a prominent voice. I mean, just prominent icon. But when you think of, like, who is a stentorian voice of God, male voiceover actor, like, who would you want to narrate the documentary of your life or the documentary about penguins in terms of male voices, you think Morgan Freeman, there's who, yeah. who's, who's more stately than that, but who's like the female version of that. Someone asked and uh, we have some, some responses and they did not disappoint. So here are, here are some, some options. And then, you know, I would like to know who you think we're missing. Yeah. So you got Kathleen Turner, beautiful, deep, raspy voice of jessica rabbit oh yeah and we've you know. we've talked before about uh how i had kind of an unnatural attraction towards jessica rabbit or maybe yeah. we did it or maybe i thought about that and i didn't say it oh wow okay i hope no. my wife doesn't listen to this show no we talked about your thing for bella thorne but i can't remember if that followed you mentioning jessica rabbit Oh, okay. No, I I think maybe you said Jessica Rabbit, and then I said oh, no, yes. and I lied. Okay, but yeah, didn't everyone like? Show. Didn't everyone like Jessica Rabbit? That was yeah. her thing. Mm-hmm. She was shapely. All right, then we got Eartha Kitt, Catwoman. Okay. okay, great voice, very kind of raspy. Yeah, couple. Know. These are the two raspy ladies. Yeah, I think Most that's of, what they need you know right to be the alter it's interesting we associate a deep raspy voice with uh a voice of authority like if you think about female newscaster voices they're not kim kardashian voices no they don't have usually they don't have vocal fry no and they don't have up talk uh yeah that's that's the kardashian like all of them like if you do it a radio show mm-hmm. and you couldn't see them it was like you know kardashians live you know kiss fm and it would just be like uh yeah like scott and then the other one would go yeah like and then you wouldn't you wouldn't know who's you would just think it's one person talking because they yes. all have the same thing and like they have like the valet thing you know mm-hmm I mean, I think of Kim as having an even higher voice, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, there should be a name that Kardashian contest. Ooh, can you even name the Kardashians, Todd? Uh, um, Courtney. Good. Kim. Yes. Kim. 
and the other one, named her. the one, the one that when my wife is watching, I go, that one's the prettiest one. Not Kim, not Courtney of of that of not the Jenners, but of the okay, Kayla. No, I, there should be a Kayla, but there's not. So okay. you're not talking about the Jenners. I the oh, interesting because I feel like mo, I feel like many dudes that I know would say that Courtney is the prettiest. So you're leaving out the tallest sister, Which the one was that's that? like the most sarcastic, Chloe. Oh, Chloe. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you're thinking of Courtney, aren't you? She's the one that's with Travis Barker currently. Yeah, yeah. Men usually say, she's had the least done. She's the most natural. She's the one that was with Scott Disick. Okay, yes. Yeah, that one. That's the one that you like the best, right? Yeah, that's mine. Yeah. You know, if I had to, if they had like the the win a date with a Kardashian, oh, I'm basic. (laughs) You're a basic, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) If they had win a date with a Kardashian... And if it was of that generation, not the Jenners, because then you know, then you have right. you have those cows as well. And then also, um, I believe uh, Caitlyn Jenner is single. Noted. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. You know, Jenners, and also the mom Jenner. Oh right, Chris. Yeah, she'd be fun. She, but, I feel like she would be fun. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have. And by the way, you did not do that well, but you didn't do that poorly either. Uh, Helen Mirren. Okay. She's she's heard in Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, and then Dame Judi Dench. She's Dame Judi Dench to me. Uh, you can hear her in James Bond and right. other things. Yeah. So uh, d- did we leave anyone out? Well, think? I... I started thinking, and first, when I when I, I, I before I looked at the list, I tried to come up with my own, so I wasn't influenced. And the first thing that hit me was the reason that people had to ask this question is because women never get these roles of having the voice of gravitas, right? Right. You know, and it it speaks to a certain amount of sexism, sexism? Inside, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, just a bit uh, that women don't get this. And then I was thinking, like, okay, well, who does like the Ken Burns documentaries? And then I was like, all men. You know, it's like Peter Coyote yeah. or the dude from Star Trek. Um, and they do a great job. But I was like, yeah. And then there's there's no women. So I was trying to think of who it might be. And then I thought, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, yeah. She has a good voice. Yeah, she does. And it's it's kind of, it's stately. And it's kind of sexy, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. And here's one. The name might be, might not be obvious, but if I say what she does, uh, Hannah Waddingham. Oh yeah, from Ted Lasso. Yes, the owner of the of the soccer team, right? The football team. Uh, her, I think she she also. But again, we're going with all the kind of Englishy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they. Oh, that's knows. how you let. That's how you get a female voice to sound like it has authority. Is make it British. It's the only way. Yeah. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, yeah. She has a great voice uh, from Us or Us the movie, Us or uh, Star Wars as Maz Kanata. She has a great voice and it's authoritative. Um, Yeah, so I thought that she was really good. So maybe if you had female God in Bruce Mm -hmm. Almighty 2 or whatever, you could have Lupita Nyong'o as God. Yeah. I like all of those. 
What about Siri? I feel like we're associate we're, we've be, we we're familiar now with Siri's voice. I think we're too familiar with it. Like Maybe. you couldn't like drop that into the move, middle of a god movie. Right. And you'd just be like thinking like turn right or <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Here's something okay. I was thinking. I was in the supermarket the other day and you know how they have those things where you you could like switch up the voice on your GPS, like yes. oh, like if you come into my neck of the woods, you can like switch it over, and it's like Snoop Dogg. It's like turn left, dog. You know, <laughs> Snoop worthy. Uh, you can, you could, uh, you get like Snoop to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, what if I had that option to do that, but with my internal monologue, like to get Ooh. completely get rid of my annoying voice and get like another voice in there and i was thinking oh if it was going to be anybody it would be leon from curb your enthusiasm come on larry it would be like you know that kind of constant indignation he has with the world but also kind of amazing coolness i'd have leon's voice in the back of my head going constantly and i think (laughs) i think that would be amazing um When you first said, what if you had that option, but it's your internal monologue, I thought you meant switching your GPS so that the GPS voice is your internal monologue. So it'd be like, turn right. Oh, wait, no. Wait, maybe. Wait, what did he mean by that? (laughs) And I was just like, that would drive me crazy. (laughs) I never knew where I was going because it's my internal monologue telling me where to go. God. What did he mean by that? Was there something (laughs) behind that or was... (laughs) Or was Daniel just being <laughs> Daniel? I don't know. Is he messing with my mind? I, and what would my mother think about this? Um, this is not the time to share this, but I have to share this because it is driving me nuts right now. Have you ever eaten an... First of all, have you ever eaten a persimmon? Like once. Was it ripe or unripe? Do you know? Do you recall? If it was unripe, you would have a strong sense memory of what happened. Okay, uh, I, I assume it was ripe because I don't have a strong sense memory. Okay, my sister has become like queen of the persimmons and she's all about persimmons and she recently received like a batch of persimmons and she's like, I've never been into them, but I'm super, I feel like there's an age where all of a sudden you get really into fruit, especially rare fruit. And she's hit that age. I somehow skated right past it because she's younger than I am, but she's like hit the, the rare fruit age. She, she gave me a persimmon. Um, she's like, wait till it gets ripe. It'll get soft. Make sure you wait till it gets ripe. She didn't tell me why. I just assumed because it's better. So it's developing these black spots on it, even though it's not soft. And I'm like, I better eat it because I think it's rotting. Um, These black spots, I don't know what's happening. So I cut into it last night, took a bite, and it was so, so, I was like, oh my God, this is disgusting. It was like sour and, and bitter at the same time. I was like, oh, this is like very awful. And then my mouth, like all the moisture in my mouth, like dried up. And it was like, as if my mouth was filled with glue and my lips were stuck to, it was the weirdest (laughs) sensation. It was like the, my mouth was like, it was like uh, that Anne Hathaway clip we played. Like my mouth was like, the, but but a thousand times drier. And the other thing like, I wanted I thought to I was quickly like happy- say is that, in my opinion, the language of hatred <laughs> begins with the self. It was like, like, 
I felt like my mouth was turning inside out. It was like the most astringent experience I'd ever had. And I mentioned it to Daniel. I'm like, this is so gross. You got to try it. And so he didn't. He's like, <laughs> what is it? What is accounting for this? I'm like, I don't know. And, and anyway, he was like, like both of us were just dying. It was so such a weird feeling. And I looked it up and it's the tannins in certain types of persimmons. Um, it has like a very high tannin uh percentage and you can read about like it's like they call it like a fuzzy mouth feel or you know extreme cotton mouth and you have to wait till it ripens or else you like someone talked about like feeling like this is not how I want to die like it's just very extreme so anyway that's what happened but I can still feel it so I just had to acknowledge it because I still feel like my mouth is like not it has not returned to normal yet that's terrible because she she could ruin your career if this could be some kind of permanent ailment it's like you know if you, so you were a, aggressive a violin yeah yes what? a violin player and she was like here why don't you juggle shards of glass yeah what yeah why don't you uh why don't, here's here here's a bunch of hammers and nails why yeah. don't you go you know build my roof or something right boy i don't like that one bit upworthy weekly Star Trek's George Takei thought his career was over at 70. He's making his London stage debut at 85. So everybody obviously knows who George Takei is, Mr. Sulu from Star Trek, and someone who's been kind of culturally ubiquitous over the past, you know, 20 years. And I, I think it started... When he was on Howard, the Howard Stern show and came out of the closet, I think in like 2005, and it was one of the greatest interviews of all time because he was talking about how much he loves George Clooney. He was like, I love George Clooney. <laughs> you know, I enjoy his physique, <laughs> you know, and it was just, oh my. And that's where that whole thing came from, right? And then after that, he went from being like just loved by Star Trek nerds mm-hmm. to people who support gay rights. Then to people just realize he's funny. Mm-hmm. And then he started putting out funny stuff on social media and that leaned into that. And then he has an entire like social media uh, enterprise. And it's like a really huge business. Like we used to do business with him uh, at the up the Upworthy. And uh, but anyway, he's just great. And then he's made a whole point of talking about the Japanese internment camps that happened during World War II, and that he went to. And so he's got his play Allegiance. So he wrote uh, on Twitter the other day about his wonderful second act and said. I'm 85 years old, and I'll be making my London stage debut in my legacy project, Allegiance, in January. And then he said, when I turned 70, I thought, well, that's it. Uh, He thought his, quote, great career was winding down, but now it's like it keeps building, and he's 85 years old. So I I picked this story to cover on this show, just because I thought it was a wonderful reminder to everybody out there that, like George Takei, you could have a complete different second second act in life, and you could, you know, fulfill your dreams. Even though you think you're older, and go, oh well, I'm past thirty five. Like I'm not going to be able to do my thing, or my dream's not going to come true. Uh, it totally can, uh, unless unless you want to be like a K-pop star or something, and then you probably have to <laughs> hang it up, um, you know. And so I actually have a list here of other people. I mean, 
George Takei had a great career as an actor, and he was in one of the most iconic shows ever. But just the ability to change things up. Um, I noted Julia Child produced her first cookbook when she was 50. I love that. Stan Lee, who created like all the Marvel stuff and died with probably $9 trillion, uh, published The Fantastic Four at the age of 40. Wow. Toni Morrison became the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize at 62. Ray Kroc founded McDonald's at 52. Hmm. Joey Bayar was a high school English teacher who didn't launch her show business career until 40. Hmm. That that explains it all, by the way. I'm like, oh, she totally has high English school teacher. English teacher <laughs> vibes. Vibe, totally. Like, I, I just keep thinking, she's like, Perry, wake up. <laughs> you read the cliff notes, didn't you? Um, Har- Harland Sanders was a, quote, failure who got fired from a dozen jobs before starting his restaurant and then failed at that and went out of business and found himself broke at 65. Is that the colonel? Yeah, the colonel from Colonel Sanders. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield was 46 before he finally got respect. Oh, wow. And his first big break on the Ed Sullivan Show. Huh. Charles Darwin was 50 years old before he published On the Origin of Species in 1859. Now, think about that. 50 in 1859 is like... That's really old. 400, 430 (laughs) in today's years. Um, And Samuel L. Jackson was 46 years old and in recovery from addiction to cocaine and heroin before he starred with John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Look at all that. If you're out there listening, you're like, you've given up on your dreams. No, no, no. No, no, no. There's still a huge chance. And a whole bunch of life. The wonders we're doing with modern medicine, you're going to live a lot longer. Um, I thought about this a couple of years back. I think it was, I I was reading too many books on... Uh, productivity or being an efficient person or uh, or I just kind of got older and got better at doing stuff and being disciplined. And I thought, what if, 45 now, if I hit a thousand golf balls a day, could I become pro on the, the senior tour by the time I hit the age of 50, mm-hmm. right? Like if mm-hmm. I just like dedicate, because I am a, and I'm a very mediocre golfer, by the way, but I just thought that if I sat and I just did it every day, and I had that drive, could I get that good in five years? Or, you know, just any skill. If somebody out there wanted to go, hey, become a stand-up comedian, become a writer, whatever, um, just take a couple of hours of, out of a day to hone a craft, you can get somewhere with it. So, And did you decide that you could have? No, I think I'm just awful and have no real <laughs> any athletic ability whatsoever. But And then as someone who... Uh... Miniature golf, yes, that's the extent of my golfing. Um, how many hours a day would it take to hit a thousand golf balls? Like that seems like a lot of balls. I think it would probably be physically impossible to hit that right. many golf balls. That's a ton of balls. Yeah, that would be like eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just think about it this way, Allison. You could ditch your whole media career, ditch okay. the whole being people's best friend, and you could get into pro wrestling. <laughs> So this is another thing I learned very recently on my show. It's quite painful because oh, you I think bet. to yourself like, well, it's, you know, quote unquote, fa- apparently mm-hmm. like it's fake is, did you know this? It's not really, f- I guess it's 
fake is not accurate. Scripted or predetermined is accurate, but not fake. Because okay. it's very painful. And I don't like pain. Yeah. So I don't think it would be good for me. I don't think but, I'm cut out for, for, for actually doing pro wrestling. As I, much as we all think it would be great for me, I don't think it's a direction I'm going to go personally. Like it would be great to see you walk into a ring and like with that exaggerated like wrestler yes, walk. I know. You know, like and the you outfits. Want, it's all it all makes sense for me. Yeah, like a glow girl. Yeah. And then Mount Fuji walks from behind while you're not looking and hits you over the head with a chair. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how painful the chair thing is. It looks painful. But that thing where like someone picks you up and throws you down on the mat, I was thinking like, well, that mat is like bouncy, right? You know, mm-hmm. they make it so the so apparently the ring has two settings. They they can set it for a wrestling match or they can set it for a boxing match. And when it's set oh. for a boxing match, it's much more stiff. And for a wrestling match, mat excuse me, wrestling match, it has more give. So I'm like, so it's got more give. It can't, it's not that painful, but apparently it's super, super painful. I'm out. Maybe you could be a wrestling manager, like Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, that's what was, that's what I recently decided. And get this, if you're a wrestling manager, you don't actually do any real managing behind the ring. You're not doing, you're not balancing anyone's books. You're not planning their day. It's just for show. Did you know that? I think I had a had bit a of a thought about it. I didn't know, though, because like a few, maybe a couple of months ago, when this whole weird wrestling direction for my show started, someone was like, you could be, to me, kind of semi-jokingly, like, you could be a manager. And I was thinking, I don't know what a wrestling manager is. Feels like a weird extra thing for me to take on. I've never really <laughs> managed, managed talent before. <laughs> but now I get it. It's like a, it's a performance thing. Yeah. I didn't understand that, but now I do. Sure, I'll do that. Like you could be like the Wednesday Adams of managers. <laughs> like you go out there and you say some like really Dark instead thing. of being like all up like we're going to go get him brother and all this stuff. You could be like real just like, you know, just morose. Like really yeah, just morose and they're like, "Well, what do you think is going to go on, Miss Allison Rosen on this, you know, e- evil Allison Rosen or <laughs> Wednesday Rosen or whatever they call you." And then they ask you the question like, "What are they going to do when Tugboat goes up against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat?" And then you're just going to be like, and then you're going to say something really witty and, and yeah. pithy, you know. What era were Tugboat and Steamboat? Were the boats <laughs> the Boat Brothers? What company and what era were these boats? These wrestling boats? Please talk when you're doing your interview today. Go like, did you know the Boat Brothers, Tugboat and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? I think they were kind of different eras, actually. So okay, does that mean you don't know? I one one guy was like uh, early '80s, and one guy was like mid '90s. Okay, so it's a some time ago. I pretty much just know people who are wrestling in the last couple months. <laughs> And maybe a few names from a long time ago. That's about it. Upworthy Weekly. Mom's praise of audiobooks post-baby has parents sharing how it changed their lives. Uh, So I don't know if you know this, Todd, but there are some people out there who feel like if you're listening to audiobooks, it's just not quite the same as reading books or like uh, true book purists 
And I don't, I feel like I don't know that many of them, but I know they exist. People who feel like if you're not reading it with your eyeballs, it's not the same. They will allow for e-readers, you know, so you can be reading it on a tablet or like a, you know, device. But if you're listening to it, they feel like it's not the same. Um, are you one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yes. I and this this story made me rethink this. Like I'm mm. like I was thinking like, man, I'm a pretentious little snot. I could have told you that. Oh no, yeah. but it was just like, I, but and then I I I started thinking and like, under what circumstances is it acceptable to do audiobook versus you know paper book? Yeah. And like I don't even I don't like e-readers either. Whenever I've had one i just i personally don't like them but i feel like that has to well actually reading on my phone i have read books on my phone and i'm like oh this isn't so bad but in general i like to be able to flip the pages and find my spot and stuff i feel like that's because i'm old though uh, it could be and and then you're writing in cursive in notes next yeah <laughs> you know i was I, I was just thinking because i don't know like i like i like you know, kind of being a Luddite and not being connected to technology. And mm -hmm. I feel like if I have an e-reader, then I'm I'm in that zone. Yeah. You know? But then I thought, you know, I guess if someone's reading a book that's something like, it's not really like literature, like it's more for information. I feel like the audiobook mm -hmm. sounds like the smart way to do it. Unless you like mark, like I like highlighting books like that. But then I thought if you're reading like literature, like something that an author wrote and that's that's kind of like art that you mm -hmm. should experience it the way it was intended by the artist which is probably in a book form right, right? like um like you know you, there doesn't need to be a middleman interpreting the book for you like reading mm. like uh having Lupita Nungayo or um Morgan Freeman read reading the book <laughs> and interpreting yes. it you like in, in in a great reader author relationship, they are the bow and the reader mm. is the instrument. What if the person's blind? What about accessibility issues? Well, let, let's get to the story that you're reacting to. I'm so totally nearly... fine with that. I, I, blind people can read <laughs> however they like. Okay, so Near, nearly oh half my of God. Americans. Why, why'd you have to go there? Why did you have to go there? Like trying to make me anti-disability or something else? And that was that was me because ex because. Because accessibility is baked into the core of this story, Todd. Uh, nearly half of Americans pay for audio content subscription. Uh, and the average adult in the U.S. listened to digital audio content for a little over an hour and a half each day uh, last year. And uh, nearly 28% of that is spoken word. And there was a big surge during the pandemic and people find it to be comforting and satisfying. And I'm thinking, does that include us? This big, you know, audio content that must include us. That's not just books. I don't know. I, I would. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, 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 but back to books for a moment. So a writer who's also a mom uh, tweeted something about her audiobook consumption. And uh, for people who are watching on Facebook, we just got a beautiful eyeful of uh, Todd's new dog, Archie, and he's very cute. Uh, Ashley Woodfolk tweeted, I listened to 30 audiobooks this year, possibly, excuse me, speaking of having trouble reading, 
I listened to 30 audiobooks this year. Post baby, I never thought I'd be able to get through as many books as I used to before I became a mom. Accessibility is so important. Audiobooks have helped me regain a part of myself I worried I'd lost. Let people read however they can, Todd. Uh, and then this was a very popular tweet, and a lot of people responded that audiobooks have really allowed them to, you know, enjoy a lot of books in the way that they were able, that they, they used to read before they had kids or, you know, all these circumstances where they haven't been able to read. And it really got me thinking because I don't listen to audiobooks very often. Um, and maybe I really should avail myself of them more. Maybe I would be able to, to take in books more if I did that. Yeah, I started thinking that sometimes I, you know, I listen to podcasts while I cook. Mm-hmm. And that it may be sometimes I should switch that out for an audiobook when the podcast yeah. that I normally listen to, you know, maybe they have a wrestler on that week. So I'm like, eh, I'm not going to listen. Um, and so, uh, you know, if there's something else that I'm interested in that I should sit and get the, the book for it, that'd probably be a, a good way to do it. But I will say this when my novel comes out, it will not be available in audiobook form. Oh, really? unless, unless I can get Morgan Freeman to read it or, you know. Right. Or Siri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know I did you know I wrote a novel once? I didn't know you wrote a novel. I didn't I know wrote, if this was real, what you just said. I did. I wrote a first draft of a novel. And then when I finished Congrats. it, I realized it had fatal flaws in it and mm. I would have to start over because there's some Don't all per- first drafts kinda though? Yeah, yeah. But you know. Well that's was, great though. Yes. It was about a guy who tried who tried to find Walt Disney's frozen brain. It was not. Oh, it, that's fun. It, yeah, I, I think it was fun. I don't know. I've it's been like eight years since I read it. I don't know oh. if I'd go back and read it and go, "Oh my god, that's horrifying." But I'm probably pretty sure I'll go back and go, "This is this is really bad." Are you going to return yeah. to it though? I don't. I don't think I ever will. Maybe oh. I don't. Maybe, when I die, how about that? I'm going to put it in my will that when I die, they will release my novel. And uh, oh boy, uh, yeah, on the event of my death. <laughs> like you're like gonna Jerry, make people read your bad novel. That's right. Like uh, Jerry Lewis with "When the Day the Clown Cried." Like, <laughs> he said it'll come out like ten years after I die. Well, I look forward to that. You know, assuming I'm still around. Yeah. But yes, I this this is a cool upworthy story because it made me kind of rethink my dumb, uh, snobby attitude towards books, which is not an upworthy opinion. <laughs> no, it's not. Upworthy Weekly. Adam Sandler brings down the house with a hilarious acceptance speech penned by his daughters. So comedian Adam Sandler won a Gotham Award, which is, it gets it's kind of like an independent film type of thing. And he won a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he went up to do his speech. And... He said that, quote, the speech was written by his daughters, but and I'm starting to think it was written by Adam Sandler, but who demanded that he do it in his Southern voice, like his Louisiana. <laughs> and before I, I play this, I will say, I, uh, me and my wife have a thing where we love any like bad Adam Sandler movie. Like the good ones, the bad, we'll, we'll watch anyone uh, repeatedly. Like, uh-huh. I think we like if Big Daddy's on or Fifty First Dates. I don't know why they're like so satisfying. I don't know <laughs> why. There's like something about 
them that I don't know. It's like comfort food. I don't. Yeah. You know, I'll watch any of them, but that one little Nikki or whatever, which was probably the worst movie ever made. But Allison, your thoughts on Adam Sandler films? You know, I haven't seen any in a long time, but I I did find them funny. But the last time I saw them, maybe I need to see more. You know, I hadn't seen The Water Boy until like a year ago, which was weird because I I liked his other stuff. Yeah, and I watched that, and I was like, this is like the most genius film I've ever seen. Like, oh what. Wow. No, I I mean it it wasn't it <laughs> from wasn't, cinephile Todd Perry. It wasn't opinion. Kubrick, you know, but it was <laughs> it was great. But the thing the thing was I realized I was about halfway in and I go, Oh, this is brilliant. Everyone is stupid in this movie. Like no matter what, I think whoever the writer was, they figured out I'm gonna make a movie where every character is dumb. Like hmm. and I was like, Oh, that's that's kind of awesome. And so I, if you watch it with that thought in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. then it's almost even more, more brilliant. But hmm. last thought, which has nothing to do with this, but I just have to put this out there in the, in the public should I die anytime soon. And I want to say it publicly. You will drive yourself nuts if you watch the movie Casino, the Scorsese movie you know, starring Robert De Niro, Casino. Yeah. If you watch it, you realize that in every scene, Robert De Niro's suit matches the background. Oh. You'll drive yourself nuts if you realize it? Yeah, because you can't pay attention to the movie at all. Because you're just like, oh my God, his tie matches the the chair. And it had to have... Obviously, that's on purpose. Yeah, they did it on purpose. And you'll watch the whole movie and you'll just go crazy. Like, also... I'm keep... Todd, shut up, shut up, Todd. No, Todd, Todd, keep talking. Okay. Uh, if you watch Home Alone and you notice the amount of uh, Christmas colors, the amount of green and red in Home Alone, just unnecessary amounts of green and red throughout the whole film, it's uh, kind of crazy. Anyway. Wait, so- but, but <coughs> sorry. But why do you think that they matched his tie to the background in Casino? Like, what was the purpose of that? Well, you know, if you really want to understand Scorsese, Allison. No, I, I think it's to kind of put forth the idea that he's a man who kind of blends in mm. and he's kind of like a blank slate kind of character who's controlling things but also not um, not standing out. And also that's kind of his personality. Like he gets mad at Joe Pesci and he's, you know, for standing out and making a whole name and causing a scene and he's trying to be like in the background. Blend in. Got yeah. it. Because he's, right. you know, that's the best kind of criminal to be, right? Right, Allison? Mm. <laughs> All right, let's hear this speech. Okay. But, but Gotham Awards, don't feel bad for us Sandler girls. <laughs> Just know while Daddy is with you tonight, we're doing everything we're not allowed to do when Daddy's home. Like eat his yodels or try on his spanks. <laughs> Or dare we say, laugh out loud at Ben Stiller movies. (laughs) The last time Daddy caught us chuckling away at the Meet the Parents trilogy, he immediately stormed into the room he... Oh! (coughs) What just happened? I was was moving around the... uh... The audio thing for the get the next clip up that we need to play and actually hit that clip. But Gotham Awards don't feel bad for us Sandler girls. Right. Like eat it out loud at Ben Stiller movies. 
<laughs> the last time Daddy caught us chuckling away at the Meet the Parents trilogy, he immediately stormed into the room he calls the Screaming Room, which we just call the Shower, <laughs> and bellowed out the phrase, only the Sandman makes people laugh. Oh, every other comedian. <laughs> Uh, Daddy's Shanley film career be began in 1988, <laughs> formed by two guiding principles. People in prison need movies too. <laughs> and TBS needs content. <laughs> to show between all them fucking basketball games. He went on to make the comedic classics Billy Madison. Thank you. Happy Gilmore, The Wedding Singer, The Water Boy, Big Daddy. Which one is Big Daddy again? We asked him one time. The movie with the little cutie who grows up to be Cole and Dylan Sprouse. Daddy responded, I guess you could remember it as such. Or you could remember it as the movie that paid for this fucking house. And your grandma's house and your other fucking grandma's house, Rob Schneider's fucking house, and your braces, and Rob Schneider's fucking braces. <laughs> All right, that was good, huh? Yes. So now, you, don't, you don't think they wrote that? I think, I think he wrote that, obviously. Little, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The this paid for your effing house. That's a total mm -hmm. like dad who made a lot of money and worked hard right. and talks to his kids right. and be like, Oh, you don't like Big Daddy? Well, you know. Do you like your bed? You know? <laughs> Did I tell you that I found myself having this conversation with my kids? So they have bunk beds that are in Elliot's room, but the idea uh was so right now they have separate rooms. Um, and the idea was they're going to share a room and then Owen's room is going to become like a playroom and they're, they're both going to sleep in the bunk beds, but that hasn't happened yet. Cause Owen is still in a crib. Um, even though he's like old enough to have a bed, but he likes his crib and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, they, they were having this fight. Elliot's like, the bunk beds are mine. And Owen goes, no, they're ours. Elliot goes, no, they're mine. No, they're ours. I said, actually I paid for them. So they're mine. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God. I can't believe I'm that parent. It yeah. just, I didn't think about it. It just came, it just flew out of my mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a weird. natural thing. You have to like push back against that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was yeah. so strange. I was like, it, oh, I guess I'm this one now. Later that week, did you go, why? Because I'm the parent and you are the child. That's right. You do, I yeah. will pull this car over right now. Right. Oh. They also have now hit the age where this, like, two minutes after we get in the car, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we oh. there yet? I don't know how to oh. put an end to that. Mm. The, I mean, the good thing awful. is when you have, when you have one kid, you don't get so much of that. Um, I remember yeah. I I took like my my son and one of his friends like out to get some ice cream and do some kid stuff a couple of weeks ago, and the whole time in the back seat of the car, they're like kind of like slapping each other and, got, mm -hmm. blah, 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 and bickering. And I was like, uh, oh, my God, I'm so glad I have one because <laughs> huh. he can't. He has no one to bicker with. I just turn up yeah. the radio or whatever, right? Like, it's no bicker. No, da, 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 da. there's none of that yeah. going on whatsoever. I'm sure he'll be sad and, uh, 
you know, li- live a life that feels very alone not having a sibling, but at least mm-hmm. daddy doesn't have to deal with that. Right. It'll be peaceful for you. That's right. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison, the destroyer Rosen. Maybe <laughs> Hulk Rosen. Oh, boy. I feel like my name should be like deadly but dainty. Dainty death. Dainty death. That just makes it sound like a silent but deadly or so. So silent but deadly Rosen. (laughs) (laughs) SBD. Silent but deadly Rosen. SBDR. Because it really like captures my love of, you know, flatulent humor. (laughs) But and also like, let's consider it. Put it on (laughs) on the leaderboard. (laughs) You know, I just like picture like you know they have like those well maybe you won't know but like those famous videos where it's like the rock in the center of the ring can you smell what the rock is cooking or whatever oh no but it's just like a, a wrestler's up there in the middle making their speech and then suddenly stops goes who was that what is that? and then coming down the tunnel coming down the tunnel is allison rosa did and then walking into the ring it's like oh it's silent but deadly or like like it's it just falls over you know like what what happened and then you emerge from you know a, sm- a screen of smoke ah, see i don't even know what the tunnel is that i'm coming down is that something backstage that they show yeah like how you get from the the dressing room or the locker room okay. or yes you know. i can imagine it i can imagine it um anyway my week my week a, 1 to 5 yeah I'm familiar with, but the listeners might not be. <laughs> wow. um, uh, are we including? No, we're not. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this week. I'm going to give this week a 3.5 yet again. Uh, you look shocked. Twinsies again, but anyway. Oh, spoiler okay. alert. Yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. Um, you know, it was fine. It was a little bit, I mean, I appreciate that we're kicking it up a notch holiday-wise. Like, there's more decorations. We got some holiday curtains up. We got our second tree up. There's a lot of, but my kids are, speaking of the bickering, there's a lot of bickering. And um, I don't know, there's just been some family, it's just, I feel like, it's just been, like, tense. And I feel overwhelmed and... uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just an average overwhelming week and I've got a real uh p- case of persimmon mouth. <laughs> 3.5. And are you a better person than you were the week before? Um, you know, only by degrees. Like I think there have been a few moments where I have done some good parenting uh where I have been able to notice some some situations where both that both Daniel and I have been in and I have been able to be like, oh, I think 
It's like an extra like parenting sense has like turned on or something. We're talking like mm. high level parenting chess moves where I'm like, mm. I think what Elliot needs right now is this kind of approach. And I'll like, you know, get on my knee and like go to Elliot and be like, you know, honey, da 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 da, or like, you know, like I, I was saying to Daniel, like ex- explain to Owen this, like he can be reasoned with, like he understands. And that actually worked, you know, for 15 minutes. And then Owen was back to like whining about X, Y, Z. But so I feel like, Oh, like I feel like I've leveled up parenting wise. So maybe like, like by degrees, I'm a sli- I'm a slight bit better. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm better. I'm a great person. Have you but- reached that? Have you reached that point as a mother where like you can sense if one of your children has been injured without even knowing it? Like at preschool, you know, you're like, <laughs> wait, wait, oh, I feel it in my chest. No. <clears throat> No, I have not done that yet, but mm. I will all of a sudden like get a, a you know, a like zap of anxiety and think, what if I'm picking up on the fact that like, you know, 1.2 miles away, my child is being injured, but then it never is, thankfully. Or maybe you'll get a sense one day that one of your sons has fallen for someone and you'll never be the primary part of their life anymore oh and you want to enact vengeance and make their lives a living hell? Yeah, maybe. Is that a Greek tragedy? No, I, I just think, it, yeah. No, 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 no. That's it, like the opposite of Oedipus. Right. Yes, the Electra. Electra is the, like we don't have to go super Freudian today. No, okay, that's good. I just wondered if you were, if this was like, if you were referring to something when you were saying this or just. No, I just know that sometimes, you know, that happens. mothers, mothers, they. Yes. Yeah, they get know. jealous. Mm-hmm. It happens. Um, Todd, on a scale of one to five, one being um, persimmon mouth and five being amazing. It's so bad. Uh, I am I'm like, I want to sue the persimmon council. How was your week? I'm going to give it a, a 3.5 twinsies. Get out! No way! I did not see yeah. that coming. Right. And that's because big, kind of big win, and then kind of bit of a loss to take it down mm-hmm. a notch. Uh, first of all, plug, uh, after, for an entire year doing research, doing interviews, uh, writing, I've finally put out the first three episodes of a uh, documentary podcast I've been working on. Congrats. called. Called LA Zone Marine Land about how there used to be a uh, marine park in Rancho Palos Verdes, just south of Los Angeles in the South Bay. And it was around for 33 years, closed in 1987 under very suspicious, suspicious circumstances. And it was purchased by SeaWorld and they took the whales in the middle of the night and took them to SeaWorld. So it's an interesting story. It's like they bought the park. They're like, we're going to put a whole bunch of money in it. This is going to be like an adjunct to SeaWorld. And then they go, oh, gee, where'd the whales go? Oh, we have them. We took them. Oh, now we're closing you down. So it's a real wild story. But um, and so, yeah, I've done lots of the work where now we're just rolling out the next couple of episodes will happen over the next like two months. So I have the first three out. And if anybody's interested in, uh, I don't know, a compelling tale of the West Coast first oceanarium and why I made this, because I'm crazy. But it's just chock full of great interviews and funny stuff. And it it's 
it's I think it's really upbeat and fun. It's also there's some dark moments and there's some funny moments and there's some uncomfortable moments and it's just kind of like I think it's all five flavors kind of hit the tongue on it and I took a long time to, to put it you know it's like this we have kind of one one day to know what we're talking about or that morning and then we mm-hmm. do it like we there's it's it's not evergreen it's kind of a, it's a current show right so we Talk don't have about. that much time. With this thing, I could sit and nitpick it, and yeah, you know, which which was fun to do, uh, but also you'll never you can get to the point where you never finish something because you're oh I can fix that I can rewrite this or whatever. So uh, I'm really proud that it came out, and no one's ever done this story, especially this big in this way before. So hopefully, uh, people will dig it. Where got do they couple, get it? They got it anywhere you get podcasts, and it's called LA Zone Marine Land. Anywhere where you can find this show, you can find that show. Um, and so I, I put that out, and I got some early good responses from people about it. So that was great. Because, you know, you're sitting on something for a long time. You're like, oh, I want to put this. I want people to hear this. Or I want people to hear it and go, what the hell did you do? <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> or, you know, just react to it somehow. But, so that was that was good. So LA's own Marineland, marinelandpodcast.com. And little birdie told me Allison Rosen is going to be making an appearance on it at one of the future episodes. Yes. So. And I gave a little plug to that podcast on my podcast. I wasn't sure if it had come out yet, but Robin Shore, who you know, because you were on an episode with her, mm-hmm. she mentioned Marine Land. And I said, you know, my co-host on Upworthy Weekly is doing a podcast about it. And she's like, ooh, I definitely want to hear that. Oh, um, cool. And she mentioned that the Terranea Resort is now where Marine Land was. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, there's something yeah. to me that's like so creepy about a hotel being on like an abandoned the grounds of a former theme park. We we're talking about that. But anyway, she was. So I mentioned that you I mentioned this pod, the, the podcast that you are to have done. And that I think I said that as when this comes out, like it, I think that you're dropping the first episodes on Monday or in it. And if not, like very shortly. So, yeah, well, she was well, very excited. You. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so it's it's out. So anybody out there that's into that kind of stuff, uh, go for it. It's a weird thing because it's like, it's kind of a niche thing. <laughs> you know, it's a very specific story. So I don't, I'm not intending that a whole bunch of people who hear me do other things are going to be like, and I want to hear him talk about theme parks for 10 hours, but we'll see. So I, I got that out. But then on Monday, I, I think the same day it came out, <laughs> I kicked a ladder in my house Uh-oh. and I severely bruised my foot and I almost broke my toe. And <clears throat> oh, so no. I've been limping around and I missed playing golf and stuff this week. So I like my my foot looks like Herman Munster's foot. It's like green and it's just it's 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 like Herman Munster with athlete's foot and and leprosy. It's just oh, terrible. Boy. So I've been in pain this week mm. and I think it's going to be another week before I'm, I'm back to normal. So that was no good. But so overall, you know, give it a 3.5. Yeah. And are you a better person? Oh, oh, sorry. One, one more yes. thing. Yes. My wife this morning at 6.15 in the morning from the bathroom goes, I was listening to your podcast. Uh-oh. Which, Which to one? me, I, uh, ulti- I, I equate that with like my wife saying we need to talk. Or like <laughs> just fear goes through my body. 
And it was because she put the Marineland show on, and then she listened to them all, and then the next thing was the only other podcast she subscribed to, which is this show. And immediately, the beginning of the show is me ripping on my wife because she makes me put up the Christmas lights from last week. Oh, no. And she she was just like, you totally misrepresented everything, and that snowman that we put outside the house, you didn't say how its head falls off, and it (laughs) needs to... And so... And I'm not saying that like she's mean or whatever, but she, and I was like, I didn't remember that part. And so she was, she got mad that I misrepresented her. So uh, that's yes. fair. Yeah, that's that's it. Okay, next. <laughs> well, are you a better person? Y- yes, because this week the Upworthy Gift Guide comes out. And the gift guide, it's its a bunch of different stuff that people buy that are like sustainable gifts and gifts that give back. And they give back. I got to choose the charity this year. And so I chose a charity that Upworthy's gift guide, the money's going to go to. So uh, if you guys see on uh, Facebook, uh, Upworthy's Facebook page, they'll put it out, the Upworthy, um, it's called the Joyworthy gift guide. And proceeds from it go to benefit Guiding Eyes for the Blind, which is a charity. Mm. That's my charity. Not, I didn't create it, but it's like, you know, Bob Barker, Spay and Your Pets, mm-hmm. you know, Elton John had his AIDS thing. My thing is guide dogs for blind people. Oh, that's great. As you were ripping on me earlier about um, not being into ripping. accessibility. Yeah, I wasn't uh, ripping on you. I was just pointing out that you might think. Think a little harder about that next time. Oh, and that's why I'm a better person. So, <laughs> Great. Good for you. Allison Rosen coming off the top rope. Some heavy <laughs> hits at the end of the show. Silent but deadly. Coming into the ring. What's that? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. <laughs>